Evil is real, present, and very powerful. The story of the gathering demoniacs that we hear today uh, from the Gospel of Matthew is repeated thrice throughout the church year. Uh, because as Christians, we understand that evil exists. Our experience of evil is often that it is something very personal. Uh, in this case, it's a, a personality, an entity that has taken over another human beings, actually two other human beings, personalities. At other times, we encounter evil in more systemic fashion. We, I think here of Jesus being handed over by the chief priests, who were supposedly the religious guardians, uh, the guardians of the, the truth that was entrusted to them by God, being handed over by the chief priest to Pilate. And then, the, and then making use of what they knew, exactly how they knew, the authorities could be manipulated. The Romans were always very worried about riots. And so, and if you, if you had a riot in your city, well, you were, you were going to be held accountable for that. And so what do they do? They start a riot. They use the system and they use that to accomplish the greatest evil ever enacted. Evil is powerful. And it's something that we often try and avoid. In this case, uh, when Matthew talks about the, um, the, the demon-possessed uh, Gadarenes, uh, the, the, the two men were, were so scary, no one could go to the tombs. No one could visit the graves. No one could tidy them up or, or, or say prayers in front of them. Uh, they, they, they just, everybody just avoided the place. Uh, in, in, uh, in, in Mark's gospel, it says that the, 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 uh, the demoniac was uh, imbue, imbued with such power that any time they put chains on him, they would, he would just break the chains. This was scary stuff. And evil is scary stuff. It exists now. You haven't seen The Sound of Freedom? Or sorry, Sound of Freedom, I think it's called. It exists. It is real and present. If you haven't seen the movie, all you need to know is the Holocaust. Human beings doing to other human beings the unspeakable. In the name of science. In the name of enlightened nationalism. Which is one of the reasons we don't go there. We don't want to see. It's a little too much. It's a little overwhelming. Safer to just sort of not bother. You know, it's inconvenient. We, don't, we can't go visit the graves of the tombs, but we just won't go there. And we adjust. We accommodate. We make room for it just what we do as human beings, partly because it's scary. And really, what can we do? When it comes to, you know, even, even the demons are, are kind of scary, you know, less scary now in the, in the days of Christ when we can 
make the sign of the cross and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, just go. Uh, but, but evil is so all-pervasive and so powerful, it really does scare us. It can absolutely destroy our lives. And so, as I say, we, we, we accommodate it. But Jesus does not have that fear. Rather, as soon as he comes anywhere near them, the demons recognize him and they are afraid. What have we to do with you? Jesus, the son of the most high God. And, and they beg him, you know, if, if you're going to throw us out, just, I don't know, there's some pigs over there. We could, we could go over there. We'll just be nice and just hang out in the pigs. And Jesus says one word to them. Go. And that word, his word, coming from the word himself, the word of God, is so full of power and authority and command that they just leave. They leave the two men and they enter into the pigs. And the pigs are actually maybe more sensible than we are. Uh, they're not going to sit around and let letting these demons possess them. They, they were all rushed down. The whole herd rushes down the mountainside and is drowned. So the second thing that we have here in this story is that we do not need to fear evil. In fact, we are called with Christ to resist it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We are called to lay down our lives with Christ in the defense of the righteous, the right, the just, the good to protect the innocent, to pray for all of those in authority over us. We need not fear because the authority that Jesus Christ has over evil, whether it be personal or ultimately systematic, is such that they ultimately have Evil ultimately has no power over us. The ultimate power that evil has is torture and death. And we have the witness of the martyrs that even in the face of torture and death, evil has no power over those who have committed themselves unreservedly to Jesus Christ. And we are called, as followers of Jesus Christ, to be a light in the world, to be salt to the world, to give life in this world flavor, but also to illumine the darkness. And the light illuminating the darkness is actually a scary thing, particularly to the evil ones. Because as evil is exposed, for what it is, people recognize it. And whether they're scared of it or not, they do not want it. What we desire with all our hearts is the good. 
or rather, we need to desire it with all our hearts. Often our hearts are broken and divided and, and, and we, we, we offer ourselves to, uh, well, evil influences. But if we are pure in heart, then we shall see God. And he being with us, being in us, will give us power over evil and over the evil one. This is scary to the world around us. It will mean, as Jesus said and made clear to his disciples, that they, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you even more. And yet he's praying for us as our Lord and Master and High Priest. That we may not fall, that we will be strengthened, that we will continue in the goodness that we have seen in Christ. But we see this, this reaction in, in, in this, again, in the story. So the herd of swine rushes into the, into the sea and is drowned. Um, and everybody comes out and they see exactly what's happened. They see, as, as Luke puts it, the, the, the demon-possessed man sitting there clothed and in his right mind looking up at Jesus. They see also, I guess, a whole bunch of swine carcasses floating in the, in the, in the, in the sea, uh, in the Lake of Galilee. And, and what do they focus on? Well, this is like going to dramatically change our way of life. We must defend our way of life. This is the most important thing. You are threatening our way of life. Please leave. That's the response. They, they, they completely ignore the man who's sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. That doesn't matter to them at all. But it matters a lot to us. Because this tells us, reveals to us, God's approach to the problem of evil. You see, one of the temptations, you know, much as I love Tolkien's fantasy and, uh, and you know, how it, it, it simplifies things and you've got good on one side and evil on the other side and you have nice, great, pitched battles between the two of them and you could just slaughter, the good guys just slaughter all sorts of bad guys and, and you know, sometimes get killed themselves, but it's a noble, heroic... You know, that's, that's great, and we need that. We need that to inspire us for the struggle. But we have to keep in mind one very important thing. Our goal is not the slaughter, the destruction of those who are influenced and even possessed by evil. Our goal is their healing and their redemption. This is what distinguishes our warfare, our spiritual warfare, from, well, the warfare that's going on all the time, all throughout the earth. We do not see even those who are trying to kill us as the real enemy. They're the ones we are hoping 
that by God's grace can be freed from that which is controlling them and influencing them to try and attack and harm us. And our job is very simple. We resist evil through love. We resist evil not by loving evil, but by loving the very people who are influenced by evil. A Christian, as I've often said, can only take up the sword with tears in his eyes because he recognizes that the one in front of him who is trying to kill him is his brother, his sister. One made in the image of God, corrupted by the very same evil that influences and drags us away from God, subject to the same temptations that we are subject to, just maybe a little more under the influence than we are. And so we love our enemies. We pray for them who curse us. We bless those who despitefully use us. This is, these are the weapons, this is the methodology of our warfare. Because we see in the one who is trying to torture and kill and maim and, and, and draw us over to the very captivity that they're in, a victim. Someone who is made in the image of God and is capable of ultimate goodness if only they will allow him to free them of what is deceiving them or controlling them or influencing them or possessing them. And this is how the church has come into existence. All who, were, who, who came into the church from the very beginning were converts, people who, saw, who, who thought and, and behaved and believed one way and then were transformed by Christ's teachings and the gospel and then came to believe and live in another way, which is life-giving and true, where we are clothed and in our right mind. And even those who are quote-unquote cradle orthodox, as they grow up here in the world, must make their own decisions. Where does your allegiance lie? Is it with the rich, the powerful, the influential, the, 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 the forces in this world that obviously have power and control? Or is it with the humble goodness of Christ? which is itself filled with the authority of truth, which can simply say to the evil one, go, and he goes. And that's why when the demon-possessed man begs Jesus at the end of this, please let me come with you, Jesus says, no, I want you to stay. And I want you to tell everyone what God has done for you. 
And as a result, I think, of his witness, when Jesus returns to that region, that he has been asked to leave because he's inconvenient, because this is disruptive, because this, you know, is, is endangering their way of life, they welcome him. They welcome the one whom they know now that they need. Because he is the one who can set us free from sin, from death, and from evil itself. To him be the glory. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever into ages of ages. Amen.